It was the best performance of the season for the Raw as they beat the Wanderers on Friday night. We've got that and a whole lot of local football to talk about, starting right now. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review Podcast. It's James Scott Adam and if you hear any barking in the background, that might also be Trixie joining us this evening as we get ready to recap an eventful weekend of South Queensland football and I suppose Central Queensland as well when you consider the NPL. Adam, how are you? I'm good, James. How are you? Scott? I'm good, James. How are you? I can tell you Trixie's happy and ready to start the show as well. Excellent. That's the important thing. Um, Yes, I'm good. I'm quite enjoying uh, having these early morning football matches as well from overseas, even if they are being played in some of the most eerie environments I think I've ever seen. But anyway, good news is there's a lot of football to talk about here, and let's get started uh, with a few quick plugs while I remember. Email brisbanefootballreview uh, at gmail.com, uh, Facebook The Raw Review, Twitter at BNE Football, send any comments, questions there, podcast available, Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, uh, you may be listening to us on Football Nation Radio, and wherever you are listening to us, make sure you leave a review and, most importantly, compliments about just how much fun we are to listen to, because if nothing else, we enjoy it. We do. When we says we, he means he. Of course. Anyway, we got a lot to talk about, so let's get right into it. Friday night, Suncorp Stadium, a very, very, very muggy Suncorp Stadium. Brisbane 3, Western Sydney Wanderers nil, and all I'm really left to wonder is... What the hell happened? The Raw came out of the blocks firing against a Wanderers side that was, I would say, probably a little bit hungover after their derby win. I think we talked about that on the show in segment four last week, James. Thought, could, would the Wanderers once again, after a derby win over Sydney FC, come out flat? I think the answer is a resounding yes, they did. Because the first 15, 20 minutes, they were not in the game at all. The Raw were completely dominant from the minute one. They had a, they had a chance in the second minute with Miradovic having a shot from outside the box. And from then on, from about then to about the 30th minute, the Wanderers barely had a sniff in the game, and I definitely think they started slowly, but from a Brisbane perspective, that's by far their best start to, this, to a game this season. It was really fantastic to watch. It's good to see that, you know, the Raw came out and they really sort of, you know, they, they put the sword to um, a team early rather than sort of just trying to, the usual, just wearing into the game, you know, working into it. They came out with a purpose... And uh, look, I think it paid out dividends, especially as well. Understanding that you know Wanderers probably played their you know their grand final the previous week, and they took full advantage of that. It was really noticeable as well. The intent the Raw had was just to get as many bodies forward as they possibly could, and to have a lot of strikes on goal because they had, I think they had 10, 10 shots in, on goal in the first twenty minutes of the game almost, which is 
that's really harking back to the Ange days in terms of utter dominance and and chance creation. So it was it was really evident from minute one that they, I don't know if they had the plan of we're going to put Wanderers on the back foot straight away because of the weather, the conditions, or anything like that. But if that was the case, it worked an absolute treat. Well, look, I feel like we should give credit to the person responsible for that, and that is Brisbane Royal Manager Robbie Fowler, because that just seems like a clear tactical instruction where it's it seems like, you know, with the squad they've got, they've decided, let's just, you know, ease our way into games, whereas with this one, it was get them from the start. Now, let's hear what uh, Robbie Fowler had to say after the match. Without a shadow, I think we were, we had a plan before the game. We knew what we needed to do. Um, good value for the win. I thought our boys were... I thought it was magnificent, to be honest. Uh, I thought we were very good first to first to Everding, first to second balls. Um, yeah, I thought it was a real, real dominant performance. You know, here in the home, uh, home. You know, we are unbeaten this year. Uh, we want to keep that going. Um, so it's yeah, I thought it was a, a real dominant, magnificent performance, if I'm being honest. Well, that was obviously a very happy Robbie Fowler there, and apparently I said it was a three-nil win. I clearly forgot Mitch Duke scoring in the second half as well, so my bad, it was 3-1. I think we'd all like to feel he scored, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. That, that goal did come about because the Raw were pushing so many numbers forward, with obviously McCauley Gillespie and Scott Neville really bombing forward. I think Gillespie got the assist for the second goal, which is pretty unheard of. Your centre-back getting forward to put a cross in for your striker in general play, that's unheard of, but because they were getting so far forward, I think the Raw were just caught out in that one instance there with Duke getting in behind on a one-on-one with Aldridge. So that's that's a slight concern that you have to tweak, but really, I mean, if that's the if that's the worst that you've got over 90 minutes to worry about, that just shows you how complete this performance was from the Brisbane Raw. Well, it's funny, like, it's one of the joys of watching, you know, get to watch uh, the games with you up in the press box. And uh, that's one thing you commented um, on on Friday night, is that, you know, how the Raw pretty much through uh, Scott Neville and McCoy Gillespie, they get so far forward, which basically leaves... Tom Aldred as your almost your sweeper, um, and and it's I think one, one drops of, in as well. Yeah. One of two sweepers yeah, we one, should point out. Yeah, oh, the other and one, the other one. Oh, Wow, what a hit that was! But um, but yeah, look, and that's the one thing. It, 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 and I think the Mitch Duke goal, I think they came about that they, they just and they got a little carried away with you know really pushing forward, which is not a bad thing. But like I said, they got caught. It was a great goal for Mitch Duke, but uh, that, you know it was probably the for mine the lone highlight for the Wanderers up here in Brisbane on, on Friday night because that, that was a well-taken goal defensively a bit of um, a bit of a mistake but look he took it well lone highlight almost lone shot wasn't it they didn't have too many just about yeah, yeah. well for, I do want to quickly stay on uh, Mitch Duke uh, because I think he was responding to I want to say Robbie Cornthwaite on Twitter after the game and he was saying that like the humidity of the night really got to the whole Wanderers mm. team and they just couldn't get that second win that they were hoping for and they would uh, it was a tough night outside. Like, I, I worked up a sweat just walking down Caxton Street before the game. Yeah, that's one of those nights where when it's that that humid at Suncorp time, you always start thinking, right, Brisbane Raw yeah. are in the ascendancy here because their conditions are all much more used to, particularly when you're talking about the Southern State teams. Like, when they come up here, I think they really hate coming here on nights like that. Remember Melbourne City game up here in mid-January? When oh, like, yeah. The weather was like, all right, they're going to get... They're probably going to win this game because of the weather alone. I don't think they did that night, but... More often than not, when the weather is like that, it's such a huge advantage for the Raw. And that also was the big surprise for me, was the fact that the Raw just went with such an up-tempo approach from the start. And you mentioned, you know, Gillespie and Neville bombing on forward. There were times where I actually thought, oh, that must be Jack Hingert, like, getting into the box. Even he had a few yeah, he did. clear-cut chances as well. But 
there were times where I was thinking, okay, so Hingert's there. Why is he passing it to Neville, who's essentially acting mm. as another striker? And look, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's probably one of that's probably the performance of the season. The only other one I can think of that was even remotely close to that would have been that FFA Cup game against Sydney FC. Yeah, that was probably very different though in terms. Of, I don't think the Raw bombed for that much. I think no, that but was, I mean, it's just that like, was more catching them out. But yeah, I agree. That was probably they would probably be the two performances that you would look at and think they are the two most complete performances over 90 minutes. The other. It's only 45 minutes, but the second half against the Marin- against Melbourne City when they were 2-0 down at halftime, that was also a really good second half, but that's only a half, not a full game, which we saw on Friday night. I'll take your word for that. I was in Fiji for that match. I was in China, so... <laughs> you didn't try the um, the bat soup or anything over there, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it was it was over, overall, though. Like, Yeah, I, I was just genuinely stunned at how strongly they came out in that match should also mention Scott McDonald first goals for the Raw and uh, he actually spoke about what it meant to score his first goals for his new club and we'll hear from that right now yeah absolutely delighted Um, always nice to get your your first one out the way uh, for your new club Uh, to get two on the night was was even better Um, but most importantly was obviously getting the three points um, which obviously was a big game for us playing against Western Sydney who were on our coattails so to uh, you know, put them a little bit away from us was, was handy as well. Um, but obviously another big one comes again on uh, Friday night against Central Coast, um, which you know, every game's important because the, the league at the moment is so tight, which is great for the competition and, and great for us as well. But you know, we're in good form and uh, hopefully we can keep that going. All right, so that was Scott McDonald there at a media opportunity, I'm going to say yesterday? It was Tuesday. Yeah, okay, so yesterday is we're recording. And he started up front uh, with Mirza Muradovic, which we'll get onto in a little bit. But I just want to talk about that penalty in the second half, which wound up going to Jay O'Shea. And I was genuinely stunned that that didn't go to McDonald for him, give him the chance to complete his hat trick. Yeah, look, and that, that was a question I know that uh, Marco Monteverdi asked um, asked Jay O'Shea after the game. Uh, they they came in. He actually came into the press room today one-on-one interview and apparently uh, Scott McDonald never asked uh, Jay actually was going to would have been happy to stand aside um, but Jay is the apparently he's the designated penalty taker and, with um, the departure of Roy O'Donovan yeah so so yeah but basically yeah um, Scott McDonald never asked for the um, the uh, penalty it was a good penalty so he took it really well and I agree with you I was really shocked that Scott McDonald didn't take it because you would have thought he would be as a striker normally they're pretty confident in stepping up for penalties, particularly when they've got two goals in the game already. I was surprised, but as uh, the game was not over, I think it was two-one at that point, wasn't it? So it, it was. So it was, a so it was important to get the penalty. If it was, if it was two-nil, maybe, maybe McDonald might have been more mm. adamant in taking it. But at two-one, you've just got to let your designated penalty taker step up in that moment, and he he absolutely stepped up and put it away. So it is what it is. I mean, I'm sure as Robbie Fowler said it as well. I'm sure there's plenty more opportunities Scott McDonald will have to score goals for Brisbane Raw because because he um he's in good form though Scott McDonald isn't he? Well, two he's things. done more than we th- I think he's lived up to all the expectations of what we hoped he would be when he arrived in January. Yes, as definitely. that important link man up front. And also just two quick things as well. If you want to hear the full Robbie Fowler press conference, go check out the Facebook page where with uh, your post game show from Friday night featuring Scott and Adam with no James. That there's some good quotes in that press conference. I will say there's some very interesting stuff that came well, out. Well, there's one quote that sent it. Just what we're talking about is I know that uh, Rory Fowler said what he would have done in that situation. So <laughs> demanded it himself. <laughs> <laughs> Typical striker, as any proper striker should. Yeah, yeah, but I do also think like 
if nothing else, it was very important for O'Shea to get off the mark because we've seen him go close quite a few times. I actually remember he had the best chance of that awful, awful nil-nil draw back in November that I think cannoned off the crossbar. I think it might have, yeah. So, he did score in the FFA Cup, though. We have to, you can't forget he did score against Sydney back in the round of 32. So it's not his first goal for the Raw. It's first his first league goal. goal. Okay, so either way, it ends up very It's been long, a while. Very long drought, and I think that is very important for him as well, just to get that confidence going into the final couple of months of the season. Um, okay, we'll get on to the next thing that I said we were going to talk about right now, which is uh, the change into the starting lineup. So Mirza Muradovic came in for Jacob Pepper. Now, not knowing the full context at the time, I was really happy to see uh, that change. Now, especially for a home match where we now know why Pepper has departed. He's signed for a side in Maduro United. Jinx. <laughs> yeah, please don't jinx him because this is an audio medium, Scott. Oh, well, too bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going to worry about it. It's now that. a two-person show, then. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, uh, yeah, so... On, on face value, I was really happy with that as well because it allowed the Raw to adopt that more attacking midfield. And Adam, that is something that we've been really wanting to see like in these sorts of matches where the Raw should be expected to dictate the pace of play. Oh, absolutely. And I think in home games, it's important as well, you know, from, not just from a, you know, a tactics point of view, but also just from a standpoint of you know, entertainment. Having that extra attacking option, um, it does encourage you know, attacking football. And maybe, knowing what we know now, maybe that was you know, the harbingers say that, you know what, Raw, we're going to come out all guns blazing against our Wanderers. We obviously at the time, we, we didn't sort of pick up on that. It so. fits into that, doesn't it? I mean, mm. you bring in Merz Muradovic up front, it drops everyone else back a line we shouldn't be in so the surprised. team. So it certainly fits in with that attacking outlet. And I certainly think that duo up front of Muradovic and McDonald, that's right now is the Raw's best combination. They had created a whole bunch of chances between them. On another night, McDonald probably has three goals from open play. Muradovic might have a goal or two as well. So they're certainly creating a plethora of chances between the two of them. And you've got Inman in that line behind. I know, James, you don't like him as an out-and-out striker. I tend to agree with you. I don't think that's his best role. But him as a, as a 10 and O'Shea a little bit deeper to link the play and get things created from a deeper role. I think that's the best way for the Raw to go right now. Is That's probably what we saw on Friday night is probably the Raw's strongest 11 at the moment. I don't think there's anyone else you'd look at and think they would improve that 11. As there's a, good yeah. options in the squad for different different moments, but that's probably the Raw's best 11. Well, to, to shut down, obviously, the usual, the usual furphy, like, Dylan Wenzel Halls, obviously, it, it, like I said, I don't think he's in the best 11 right now, but he does serve a purpose, especially if the teams are tiring. It's a good game. Yeah, if that, basically, especially if they're tiring, if it's going to be hot and humid, you know, to bring him on at 75 minutes and let him run, run loose... Yeah, that, that's great. that's like so that's momentum if nothing else. He is that exact uh, sort of striker that defenders would look at and go, oh, "Come on, now I've got to deal with him." Yeah. Anyway, Holloway the same sort of thing as well. 70, 75 minutes of chasing around the other two. You bring on a big muscular target man like that. So again, that's probably the, the, those two are probably the last thing you want to see either of them. Definitely. All right. Now I do want to quickly uh, go back to the press conference one more time for this segment as we just hear a little bit from Trixie there. Uh, I want to go back to the press conference and talk about the departure of Jacob Pepper, and then we'll come back and have our thoughts on that. So this is uh, Robbie Fallon on the departure of Jacob Pepper and a possible replacement. Perhaps uh, we got a phone call today. Um, you know, Peps obviously wanted to you know, try something else, something different. Uh, there was a club that came in from at the start of the season. Uh, we just felt it wasn't the right you know, fit for him. Um, you know, and it's, Peps has been brilliant for us this year, really was. Um, I think you know at times he, he does get a little bit of stick because he's not as flamboyant as some of the other players. 
uh, but you know I would never question his attitude uh, I think he's been magnificent for me he's been a real good lad in the dressing room um, you know he's been you know good to have around a place but he just wanted to try a different opportunity um, you know and I, I would never stand in his way I would never stand in any play player's way if they want a, a new opportunity uh, you know, so entirely a Pepsi decision. Uh, and look, he goes, uh, and we wish him very well. Uh, you know, all the luck in the world. Um, and look, it's obviously it's you know disappointing that he's gone, but you know there's an opportunity for other players now. Um, you know, and it's up to them to take it. Um, yeah, look, there's there's opportunities, yeah, but you know you're not going to get a player in just for the sake of you know, just because he's a player. You know, there's still got to be the right fit. Um, so yeah, if, uh, we're We'll, we'll actively look, you know, and um, obviously there's, there's there's been I think four or five players that have uh, that have gone, um, you know, and I think we've been I think we've been kind to the players who are here because we believe in them, and look, regardless if we, we bring a player in or not, you know, I think we're you know we're we're good with the players we've got. Okay, so that was Robbie Fowler on the departure of Jacob Pepper, and then f- asking a follow-up question on whether or not. Uh, answering a follow-up question, I beg your pardon, about whether or not he's going to try and look to replace him. And first and foremost, I do want to talk about Jacob Pepper's time with the club because he was one of the signings for Aloisi's first season, I believe. First or second season, yeah. It was around that time. Yeah, either way. He was one of those signings that came in, and I just keep going back to something that uh, the late managing director, Mark Kingsman, told us as well, where, look, you know, Jacob's never going to be a superstar of an A-League player, but he's one of those players that you need for the squad and I absolutely think he nailed that just what Jacob Pepper is as a footballer he's versatile he can do two or three different jobs and let's be honest he toiled away despite some pretty wretched treatment from the fans in his time here at the start he was definitely one of those players that the fans would jump on the back every time it didn't go well on the field whether Jacob Pepper had anything to do with it or not he was the one that people looked ah he's not good enough get him out of here he's not good enough and I think Every club's got those sort of players, James, in terms of utility players who fill multiple roles. You think about Lee Broxham, Paolo Redtray for two. There's, there's, so every club's got them. I mean, the Raw have had them in the past as well. James Meyer more in an attacking utility than a defensive one. Everyone's got them. But in absolute credit to Jacob Pepper, he kept his head down. He kept working hard. He filled the role he was asked to play. And he did it really well. And that role changed over the years. He went from being that depth midfield player who played when the Raw were maybe not willing to give Thomas Christensen a night off or he was injured to all of a sudden now he's being a defender in the squad and all of a sudden a first a, choice leading def- defender yeah, defenders defensive crisis he becomes the lead defender in the side nurturing young players coming through and now he's back in midfield again and we all wondered how that would pan out this year well he's done exceptionally well in that role he became a first choice player for Robbie Fowler if and when he wanted a defensive minded player in that role so he's done a tremendous job over a number of years to the club, and I do think he will be missed a lot more than people realise in terms of having that option in the squad. There's not really a pure out-and-out defensive midfielder now. Yes, they've got options like Ramon Akbari and George Mells. I'm a big fan of Akbari, but he's not a holding midfield player. He's more of a J. O'Shea type who likes to get forward and create things and go on the end of stuff. So I think Pepper's going to be missed. Yeah, look, I think he had the much maligned Jacob Pepper for all those years before and I think you know uh, look we wish him well um, look he probably does actually get a chance to be a you know a I guess a starting player you know, at Majority United um, without knowing too much about the squad and I know he becomes the plus one uh, Asian player in that squad um, but look I would dare say that you know 
that they've, they've pushed hard majority to get him and I look I think he actually will get rewarded not only financially but also playing wise um, there and if it doesn't work out I'm sure there'll be some club um, back here in Australia that would take him because like I said utility players like that squad players like him um, are, are sort of ready to come on and it's a central part of the um, A-League as a salary capped league yeah exactly and it, having that versatility is huge for someone like Pepper who you know, as I said, he's never going to be the out-and-out best player on the pitch, but he's someone that, like, he, he quite clearly did a fantastic job earning the trust of managers, three different managers in his time here at the Raw, Aloisi, uh, Darren Davies, and then uh, Robbie Fowler. So he's cl- he knows how to, I suppose, for lack of a better phrase, keep his job. And I, yeah, I know there are a lot of fans that, you know, went for the, you know, whole ding-dong, the witch is dead thing. And I think, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth because... He filled a very specific role in this squad, and again, while not might, might not be the most glamorous role, it is going to be one that's going to be very tough to replace. I don't think they will be able to replace it in this in this season. I don't think they should either. What we've got six games to go in the league. Season it's not games. worth it. Six games plus potentially three more in the finals. Work, work that you've got. You've got Joe Shea and Aiden O'Neill who are locked down as the first choice players. And I think Ramanek Barry can do a job off the bench for you. So I don't see anything out there that you're going to be able to bring in who's an improvement. Unless Robbie Fowl knows of a player in the UK who's a free agent who he wants to bring in because he's got the visa spot available, don't forget, because O'Donovan left in January. So there's a visa spot available if there's a free agent that they like. So that would be the only thing I would say if they're going to go down that path. Somebody potentially for this year and next year. But I, I would just be more than comfortable leaving it the way it is because I think the midfield's going okay at the moment. It's not numbers-wise, if you get an injury things this might change if like O'Shea or O'Neill go down with an injury that would change things but at the moment I think they've got enough cover to get through these last six to nine games I honestly think it's not worth bringing someone in with six to nine games as you say remaining especially considering the I I feel like the most likely place you would look to replace him would be someone from an MPL uh, side I and the problem can though but, if they contracted exactly and also the fact that just in general I, f- I think the acclimation, acclimatization period going from NPL to A-League means that essentially they wouldn't be of any use to you until the FFA Cup next year anyway. The only, the only you know, possible avenue I think that there would be a place would be out of the, um, the Royal Youth NPL team. You know, uh, and even realistically there, we don't, like I so said, we've, we've covered a couple of games and watched. There really isn't like that classical um, defensive midfielder in, in that squad at the moment. Like young Harry Talbot, who's only 17, like he he's probably the best mould. But again, I don't think you get anything from... I don't think he's your deep-lying defensive man. He's more of a, a free-flying, attacking central midfielder, which you've got players to cover that. So, And also as well, you, being a highly-rated prospect, you probably wouldn't go six games, like six games left in the season. You really probably... You'd let him develop his game a lot He'd more be an in NPL. Break oh, absolutely, yeah. And I honestly feel like, as well, just looking at this squad in general, you'd probably be more likely to chuck one of the centre-backs in as a defensive midfielder just to go and do a job in a match if you wanted them to. Sorry, I was going to, the other option might be Alex Parsons, who's come back from Central Coast Mariners. He's more, again, he's a attacking midfield player, but again, there's another potential. I think you're right, though, James. I think Kai Truman, when he came on at, at um, an injury time, he kind of slotted into that defensive midfield type of area. That might be something you can look at in a pinch as well, but I just think... It's, it's something where you're going to have to cross your fingers and hope that you um, get through the season with Joe O'Shea and O'Neill intact. And they've been relatively injury-free all season, so I don't think it's going to be too big of a 
difficulty to get them through, but that's yeah, that's the only issue. If they go down, they might be a little bit short at that point. Well, okay. I, I just kind of want to keep going on this for a couple of minutes just while I think of it. So, obviously, Kai Truon made his debut number 166 for the, uh, for the Raw in the first team? Yeah. Okay, so 166 for the Raw. He's an option, and assuming you want to keep that back five intact, because... My suggestion might actually even be try and chuck uh, someone like Jack Hingett in as a defensive midfielder as well, if you could find a replacement for a right-back, as the dog just sneezed, and Scott's trying not to laugh too loudly into the microphone. She's disagreeing with your opinion on that. I, I, I agree with Trixie, that's a terrible idea. He's doing a great job at right-wing-back. Oh no, he absolutely is, but I'm just thinking, like, if you need a body that can cover a lot of ground, Hingett is probably the best suited of the current back five. In case of emergency, I'm actually thinking more of a Scott Neville. Um, in, into that into that defensive midfield role, but again, if all being well, um, yeah, hopefully there'd be no need. And like I said, it's uh, yeah, they, they've got they've got the troops at the moment uh, with slights of tactical rejig to be able to uh, cover any any sort of you know injuries. I think actually this is a it's a blessing in a way. You've got Raman Akbari and George Mills. This is a chance now for Robbie Fowler to see exactly what they've got. He brought Mills in. We haven't seen him play but three minutes. In the FFA Cup, Roman Akbari's been in and out the side all season. It's a real opportunity for both of those, or one of them, to really step forward and say, I am here and I can play, and I deserve a spot in the side. So I think that's what we're going to see in the short term. Anyway, one of those two really step up, and I think Roman Akbari will probably get the first chance at it. And as long as that uh, answer to that statement of, I am here and I can play, is, oh, that's right, I forgot you were here, they'll be fine. <laughs> Alright, that's going to be it for the first segment of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this to take a super local focus on the NPL Queensland. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Alright, we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott, Adam, and you may hear Trixie at some point as this segment goes along. She's uh, made the jump over from my chair to Adam's and... Adam might be a little bit distracted for the next 20 or so minutes as we go around the NPL, FQPL and MPLW results from the weekend. And uh, we should also start off with a little bit of a plug. Um, Well, I so far in the last two weeks, but us as a show are going to have a regular spot on Football Nation Radio, 7.45am Queensland time, Monday morning. And... uh, And yeah, so uh, it's going to be an NPL Queensland checkup, basically, just talking about results information on the weekend so you can check that out uh, I think it's FNR Football Nation Radio that's live streamed on Facebook uh, every week as well and on footballnationradio.com so check that out if you don't hear enough of us uh, with the podcast and post game shows and pretty much anything else we can do really we've uh, doubled our presence on uh, FNR which is great we yeah. thank them yes exactly we're always happy to spread the word of Queensland football so let's get into that right now and talk about some of the uh NPL results from Saturday. Start off with Brisbane City hosting Easts, and it's I'd say those are two sides that probably are going to be in it around the same level this season. Maybe City are going to have a little bit of an edge, but it was Easts on the day that came away 4-2 winners. Yeah, I was a bit surprised with that one. It's Easts' first win of the season. They just came off a 5-0 loss the week before to the Young Roar, and I thought this could be another difficult game for them at home, away being part to Brisbane City, but they went there and they played quite well from the bits of the game we, I saw on the I was watching the live stream of that from for a little bit, and they they did do quite well. That front third of theirs is quite pacey, and it's got a lot there you can work with. I think City though, a couple of defensive errors that really just they'll probably be disappointed with. I think James in terms of giving up a couple of goals there because 
I think they're a much improved side, but this is back to the inconsistent Brisbane City we've seen in the last couple of years. The talent is there. The results consistently haven't been. I think that's something they've really got to address, but it's a good win for East, no question about that. Yeah, look, um, there was a crazy period between about the 20th and the 30th minute where there was um, was four goals scored, and uh, three of them were East, uh, Abraham Yango uh, getting getting a double, but... um, but yeah, look, uh, East, they, they, yeah, if they're very, both sides actually, in fact, are going to be very, very hard to track as far as form because uh, going to this game, uh, yeah, uh, East got um, got spanked 5 0 by the Young Roar and then they've come out and won well. So, look, uh, it'd be very interesting. That might be saying a lot more about the Young Roar as well, though, because mm. they've been really impressive in the first few weeks, yeah. more so than I honestly thought we could expect from them. Um, but I do also think that, like, Yango is just going to be a huge. Like, huge player for East this year as well. Like we've seen flashes from him before in his uh, previous stints, but yeah, that, like between him and Shoal, East yeah. are never going to be short of goals. Not sure of pace up front either. I do, I do agree with you, particularly about the young rule. That, that was my big takeaway for the weekend of the MPL, is that I think they're going to be really competitive all season long. We've seen in the past they've started seasons well and they've faded away and come back late on as the A League preseason winds down a bit. But I think this year they're going to be able to continue to perform at a reasonably high level most of the year because that 11 that's played against the Strikers on Sunday afternoon, James, only Macklin Freak, you would say, is going to miss some time because the A-League preseason. The rest of that side will be there all season because there was no Jordan Courtney Perkins, there was no Isaac Powell, there was no Kai Truen, there was no Aaron Reed, and there was no Merz Murata. It's not that I think we'll ever see him play in the NPL again, but he's age-eligible for it. There was no Ramadak Bari either, so... All the players who will play MPL potentially that you would say are going to miss games, they weren't there on the weekend. This was the true Brisbane Royal youth side. And they, they started slowly, but they put in a tremendous second half against the Strikers. And To me, they're incredibly unlucky not to get all three points. Well, we'll just uh, go to that game quickly. We'll jump out of chronological order. But yeah, it was a late goal from uh, Parsons, 88th minute to uh, get a point for the young Raw against strikers and we'll actually go and hear what Chris Grossman had to say after the game. Yeah, I like to think it was. I think uh, there were some stern words at halftime. I think, uh, I mean, it's a bit, it's, uh, it's probably a catch-22. It's been a big week for the boys. I've, I've uh, had three difficult games for, for different circumstances and obviously today the intensity and uh, mannerisms in the first half weren't where we expect them. Um, the second half was, was uh, measurably improved and I think that uh, that came with a lot better performance so um, it was a desired uh, outcome of the half time chat I think and uh, you know we we were unlucky as well towards the end not to get uh, you know one earlier which potentially we could have uh, we could have kicked on but you know we're happy to be um, a team that's hard to beat and uh, I think that's a, that's a big thing from uh, from previous years is that uh, you know we do have the tendency to, to slip goals and, and Today, we rode our luck a little bit, but we uh, we come out of it with a point. Okay, so that was Chris Grossman there after the game that you two were out on uh, Sunday afternoon out at Logan Football Complex. Is that what Logan it's officially Football called? Logan Football Complex. Yep, okay. So, Adam, what was your takeaway from that game? Yeah, look, um, I was actually... Um, it's a game of two halves. Um, and uh, boy, did Chris, Chris Grossman give uh, his, his trip to spray at halftime because... Um, it, it was a fairly um, it was a fairly flat uh, performance from the young Raw in the first half. Mind you, three games in eight days um, was a bit of a complication. Um, yeah, but look, I think uh, young Raw they, they certainly 
to me, they they look like they're a team that's probably in that second tier behind the big four, and I think that they're, they're certainly capable of of an upset. So again, even against the you know the big four, so so yeah, look, I think it's a, it's a very very different side, but I think strikers, I'm still not convinced. You saw at times, I think they they're um. I think their fate relies on the likes of Fraser Hills, Jake McLean, and uh, I thought Matt Richardson as well was very, very good um, for, for strikers. Um, if one of those three go down, and with Michael McGowan out for a while yet, it's, um, yeah, it may, it may be a tough season for them. Hiroki Mori also we found mm. out the weekend, he's not coming back, so that's another loss to them. They've lost he, he Mori along with Bon Scott and Andy Pengley, probably their three best players last season throughout the cup run and the league so that's that's what they're struggling with at the moment just trying to find the solutions to those problems I don't think they've fully found those and got those to click yet it might come later but it might be a bit of a struggle for the short term for the strikers just until they get those combinations down pat I think Oliver Smith is not going to score the amount of goals as in Andy Pingelli which that's you know no you've got Joe think... Duckworth down for that haven't you <laughs> thanks for reminding me again well we'll get to that in a second but I, I do think you're right like you can't lose players of that quality if you're Brisbane strikers and just expect like and not expect to have a couple of bumps in the road I think that's that's the big takeaway from that and look I you know maybe by the end of next month we're looking at it going okay well they've clearly found ways to plug those holes that were left in the squad but for the time being it does seem like it's a bit of a learning experience for them. The one positive for strikers is that they're even in a worse position last season uh, so Owen Baker, he knows what to do as far as you know trying to weather the storms of getting back into it. But yeah, like at the moment, um, there's a couple of key players there that you know, if they get injured, uh, it could could uh, get worse before it gets better. It's a good point you make because I remember I was talking to him after they had their big week where they beat Lions in the mm. cup, and they went to Olympic and got a result. And that was he was they were that was when they really galvanised themselves to really go right. We need to step this up and. Go for it. And I think you're right, there's plenty of time for them still to do that once again. And there will be more cup football coming up as well uh, next weekend. I think the 21st, 22nd is what. Uh, stay tuned for all that. But in the meantime, I want to go to the match down at Croatian Sports Centre. That's it. I don't know why I'm blanking on ground names tonight. I just am. Anyway, Gold Coast Knights 3, Pen Power nil. Boy, that was a rough night at the office for Pen Power, wasn't it? Yeah, statement delivered yep. from Gold Coast Knights. They've come out. I think they... They have big ambitions this year to obviously repeat into the grand final. Like they really want to go onto the national stage, whether that's the MPL finals or the FFA Cup. They definitely want to get to the national stage again. And this was a real statement. Peninsula Power had the good result the week before against Olympic, thinking it could be a similar start two years in a row for them getting off to that flying start. But just like in the semi final last year when they went down to the Croatian Sports Centre, they were thoroughly beaten. And it was a real statement delivered from the Gold Coast Knights and Max Brown. He's in terrific form at the moment in front of goal. And he's a real... He's one that sort of slips under the radar a bit for Gold Coast Knights. Think about that midfield. They've got Mitch Nichols. They've got Jaden Prasad. He slips under the radar a bit. And I think he's one that people need to have a really good look at if you're planning against playing Gold Coast Knights because he's a real X factor at the moment. There's no question about it. Yeah, look, I think... um it, it seems to be at the moment, and I think we're going to find out in a couple of weeks' time. For me, Gold Coast is the best team in the league at the moment. Lions will probably have something to say about that, and they'll meet in a couple of weeks. But, uh, yeah, look, I think at the moment, uh, of the big four, I think there's a clear two and two at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, I, I feel like it's you know still a little bit too early in the season to be saying it's Gold Coast title to lose, especially with you know how we've seen a lot of these sides be able to address their deficiencies come 
June, July. But it's just a good start at the moment. It's phenomenal. It like we saw it with Pen Power last year as well. Anyway, uh, the other game that we probably should quickly touch on as well is uh, Lions having a pretty convincing win over Kapalabar 4-0 and double for Joe Duckworth. Yes, 10 goals in his first five games. He's in fantastic form at the moment, Joe Duckworth. And it's a joy to watch when you see him in this sort of form because he's just having such an impact. And he's really clicking really well with that front. I think Zach Maltby, Jordan Freeman and himself there complement each other so well. I mean, it's it's it, look, it's... I think it's a, a real area that they've improved this year with. Obviously, McQuarrie and Mudley were really good players for Lions in the last couple of years, no doubt about that. But I think that front three together just clicks so well. I think that's what the real, really big difference for them is. And at the back, they're getting strong. We saw them concede four goals to Gold Coast United the week before. That's very un-Lions. Like they're getting players back now. They got back Matthias Simic at the weekend. They're going to get stronger at the back, and I do think that game in a couple of weeks that Adam referenced between Gold Coast and Lions, that's going to be one most certain to keep an eye on because that could be a real indicator of who who, who probably will be the favourite going forward because at the moment those two sides look really good and Lions are building to something, I think, once again. Yeah, look, um, I think as well on the, on the other token, I think... Uh, like the score line in isolation, I mean, we said this in the post-game show, it, uh, it, it does probably read that, um, that Lions had a very comfortable time. But uh, look, Capalba were good value for 60 minutes. It's like a unlucky penalty uh, made it 1-0. And then, and then there was that, that rush of you know, three goals about nine minutes, which pretty much put the game beyond doubt. But look, I think Capalba, even though they lost 4-0, I think they're okay at the moment. I think um, compared to their other sort of promote promote side that came up as well in comparison... I think they might be the ones that would know, be a little bit more comfortable about their uh, survival in this league. Yeah, they were good value to Capalabar for a lot of time there. They were they were kind of defensive in the way that they did approach the game. I think that penalty that the Lions did get was really important. But Capalabar looked like they're going to be a real nuisance value for a lot of teams in this league. And I think I think we all undercredited, undersold them a bit in the pre-season special, James, with thinking that they're going to be in that relegation battle. I think they're looking really competitive and... I think anyone who goes down to John Fredericks Park and comes away with a result is going to really earn it. Absolutely. And, yeah, all I will say is, I think I was around for the first, what, hour or so of that game. Capalabar gave the Lions side plenty of scares. It's your, it's your fault that uh, Lions were... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Careful. I, I, I like going to John Fredericks Park. I'd like to be welcomed back there. And also, I did find out that Lions uh, heard my preseason prediction for them and uh, had a bit of... <laughs> Hi, Rob. Anyway, uh, the other results from this re- weekend in the NPL. Gold Coast United 2, Magpies Crusaders 1, uh, Sunshine Coast Wanderers 2, Redlands United 6. Well, re- we know Redlands can score. Mm. Uh, finally, anyway. And then Olympic 4, Morton Bay United 0. That was important for Olympic, that bounce back, actually. They needed the result. Definitely. Um, there's only one NPL women's game that I want to get into in great detail, and that's because that was a game I commentated, so therefore it is the most important match of all in all of football in the past week, <laughs> or at least in my mind. Uh, Lions FC 2, Kapalabar 1. I will say the first two goals, so Kapalabar's one in the fifth minute from Billy Murphy, and then uh, Lions equaliser in the 15th minute from Cannon Clough. Two of the best strikes I've seen commentating. Just unbelievable hits. Something happening at Lions Stadium in the MPLW this year in terms of just every game there seems to be filled with spectacular goals. Remember... The game against the Gap two weeks prior, I think, which was also commentated, but uh, Darren did. Yeah, that he one. did that game. But I think it seems to be every time those two, every time Lions play at home, there's a, a slew of spectacular goals. And again, it was the case at the weekend. 
Yeah, look, um, again, take away uh, this. I think these are probably two of the three best sides uh, in in the league at the moment. Um, mind you, uh, Gold Coast United and uh, potentially... I'm just gonna, gap? Maybe, I think the maybe gap the gap, say about the gap that as well, said something. Actually, the gap was a one. Gold Coast United for another. Um, yeah, look... Look, I think uh, Capalba, I don't think they'd be too... Even though I think on the, on the sort of the face of it, they... They'll be. They wouldn't. They'll probably disappoint with the result. But I think you know, going forward, I still think they at least know they can be very competitive. Now, it wasn't a very competitive game, other than sort of you know, the crazy start to the game. It's a building thing for Capalbo, isn't it? They've also got the new coach with Hanno there, and they've got yeah. a whole bunch of new players. They're going to get stronger as the year goes on as those players gel. I think yeah. they're going to be a real factor in the final series. Yeah, definitely. One player that I didn't get to see a lot of on Saturday, but I think could be prime for a big impact as the season goes along, is that winger Annie Walker. I think she was she had a really tough time marking Cannon Clough, and uh, the other. So my two big takeaways from that game, though, I was stunned that the week after scoring five goals, Palabar sat so deep against Lions. I honestly thought, especially after that early goal, they'd just say, "Ah, we can score against them. Let's go for it." And also, the other thing as well, Palabar needs to get faster. That was a big thing I noticed. Every time they tried to hit them on the counter, Lions had six plays screaming back at full bore. And they were able to run them down before they got about 30 yards from goal. Yeah, look, I think as well um, that with, with Capalaba, I think this, I think attacking wise, I still think they need a bit, bit more weaponry up up front. I don't, I don't think, I don't think Amy Chapman as you know as you know 20 something Cap Matilda and whatnot. I don't think she's she's 20 lead, Cap leads leads the research. line. I think. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I think they, they start, if they can gain a couple more players, Annie Walker, I think she's she's the one that will, over time, she's highly regarded, um, you know, you know, American. So she she may, she'll obviously get better as, as time goes on. But yeah, look, I think if they um, if they can sort of, you know, build more, I think they, they'll be right in it. But yeah, look, this is a wait and see with Kapalabar. I agree with that. I think you look at the attack at Kapalabar compared to someone like Logan with the attacking Arsenal that they have, I think you're right. But I don't think Alliance as well, the additions of Winnie Heatley, and Leah Davidson made a really big difference. You could see thanks the for, Yeah, thanks for letting me know 45 minutes before kickoff, guys. So you found out in the end. You helped us because we didn't have a clue either. <laughs> but I do think Winnie Healy at the back was really influential. I think Leah Davidson, when she gets acclimated with that Lions side once again, is going to be a big impact. We've seen the impact she had in the W League. Now dropping back to the NPL level, I think she could have a huge year. So I remiss as well, Logan Lightning as well, I think are also going to be a team that are going to be in, in the reckoning just by sheer, their sheer sort of firepower up front. Yeah, Leah Davidson was huge, and uh, uh, we all know how big a fan I am of uh, Winnie Heatley, and I think she should be a huge uh, presence next to Cathy O'Neill in the back of that Lions defence. Uh, the rest of the results, Logan 3, Mitchelton 1, um, Gap 3, Football Queensland QAS uh, 1, Gold Coast United beat Souths 4-1, Morton Bay went down to East 11-0, and uh, the other story that's come out from MPLW that we should mention as well East Western Pride have dropped out of the competition for 2019, focusing on under-18s, but they will be back in 2021, apparently. I think... Yeah, I I think there's a few issues that need to get sorted out there based on what's been reported with... There. We might need to find out what actually is going on there before we talk too much about yeah, it. Yeah, that's there, why there, I'm there trying is, to keep it There's there. a lot of stuff going on there, there that we don't know. There is a story there. I don't, think we want, I don't think I think we shouldn't get into. Um, it's out there if you want to so read it. But yeah, I think I think for Western Pride, I think it's probably the best thing for them because... Um, I think I think there's a very very young side, and I think I and the same so I say about Morton Bay as well that I I just I question sometimes whether sending out a majority side that are under 18 up against up against you know professionals the seniors 
uh, and getting belted by 10 goals every week. I just don't know where that does for development. Look, I could be wrong. I'm not I'm not technical director or anything like that. Just outside looking, I can't see the benefit of that. So I think it's good that Western Pride have done that. Um, look, I don't, yeah, so that's... I'm I not think... going to advocate with you that they should drop out. I will say when I was at South for one year covering their MPLW side and they were having a similarly challenging year, you could see how demoralising it was. Yeah. So I don't, it's something I think Morton Bay might need to look at in terms of if they can strengthen that side. Because these sort of defeats aren't good for anybody. Look, I think as well, I don't, I'm so not advocating say, oh, that Morton Bay should drop out, but I do strongly recommend that they need to look uh, and maybe recruit some, some senior women's players, if it be, be BWPL or Capital One. It's because, like I said, you just cannot get away with you know sending out seven, eight youngsters to get smashed every week. Uh, look, you, you're wanting to retain these girls. You don't, you don't want to sort of, you know, demoralise them for a season in the name of development and then think, oh, they're going to show up next season because, uh, sadly, I don't think they will. I honestly think they may even look for some uh, intra-competition transfers because there are quite a few players I've seen warming the bench at some of these NPLW sides that probably would be quite welcome up at Moreton Bay. Yeah. Anyway. It's not going to get any easier. I believe they've got the local W against the Gap this week, so that could be another difficult afternoon for it them. could be a few goals in that one, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and should also run through FQPL round three Southwest Queensland five Western Pride nil uh, South three Holland Park two Southside Eagles and Mitchelton drew one apiece Ipswich Knight six Wynnum one and Sunshine Coast fire and Rochdale drew two two I think the um, second Italian player made his debut for the Thunder at the weekend Devita, and, I th- and got yeah. on the score sheet so he that's did. a really good sign goal. for them that if they can get both the two Italian additions they've made firing I think they could be a real a real smoky in terms of challenging for promotion. I don't think anyone really thought that Thunder would be bouncing back this quickly, but if, the, if they've got a couple of key players in who can strengthen the side, it's a real possibility. Yeah, look, uh, just quick, quickly on that, just a takeaway so far, I think, uh, look, Southside Eagles are going all right. Uh, Mitchelton are very, very were touted as probably one of the uh, promotion favourites, and uh, look, one-all draw to continue their good season. Yep, definitely. Alright, uh, quick run through the round six fixtures for NPL. Gold Coast United, Peninsula Power, Gold Coast Knights, Moreton Bay, Palabar hosting Brisbane Strikers, East hosting Redlands, Magpies Crusaders hosting Lions, although that game has actually been postponed as of this morning. It has, yes. Yep. Uh, according to the Magpies Crusaders Facebook page, so if it's wrong, blame that. And then you've also got Sunshine Coast Wanderers hosting Brisbane City and Olympic hosting the Raw Youth. So all those games will be live on the Football Queensland YouTube channel, and I'm pretty sure at least one of those will be featured on Facebook as well as a match of the round with commentary. I just know it won't be me because I've got other stuff on this weekend if I'm being totally honest so yeah check out all of those and uh, we'll be back to preview this weekend's Orange Sunday anniversary against the Central Coast Mariners in the A-League we'll be right back after this you're listening to the Brisbane Football Review we'll be back after this it's the third and final segment of the Brisbane Football Review review with James Scott and Adam as uh, fatigue starts to take hold or possibly just an inability to speak. I think so anyway. Uh, I'll start then. I'm very much looking forward to this preview. You and me both. Um, Yes, uh, before we get into that as well, just uh, one last reminder of plugs as well. Listening to us, iTunes, Wooshka, Spotify, all of that. And um, you may also be listening to us on Football Nation Radio. And wherever you're listening to us, make sure you leave a podcast review because that gets us up to, I think, like 347 in the charts instead of 428 in all of the football-themed shows. You mean the chart? iTunes chart. Oh. Yeah, they actually do rank those podcasts, so 
be nice to actually, I don't know, get our ranking in triple digits, I'm assuming. <laughs> oh, I'll take it. Who, who says Brisbane football is niche? <laughs> anyway, let's get on to this Friday. Now, because we are a little bit pressed for time, we're not going to spend the next 25 or so minutes uh, reminiscing about the 13th of March 2011 as much as we want to we've Aww. got we've got an extensive back catalogue of doing that including I think pro- probably our best uh, run of content from season one where leading up to the anniversary of Orange Sunday and I think it might have even been a day we recorded hmm. where we actually went through and discussed our memories of that day and wound up just going for about half an hour yeah, on that yeah. I think we went through it in chronological detail didn't we almost like a oh, full on yeah. match review yeah oh yeah that's right well to be fair, also from memory, that year it was a bit up and down anyway, so <laughs> that might have been the high point of that episode. Either way, yeah, and we also have our recap of the 2010s for Brisbane Roar as well, which we recorded, I want to say, late December? Sometime around then. Either way, we've got an extensive back catalogue Let's of call memories. it December and move on. Yes, exactly. Um, now the Roar are playing the Mariners this Friday night, and yeah, I... <laughs> we just congratulate the A-League schedulers who put this together. This just happened to happen on this exact date. Oh, come on. It's I absolutely think brilliant. Think. I think we might actually have to thank a very specific executive at the Brisbane Raw <laughs> yeah. for uh, pushing for this match to take place on this specific day against this specific opponent. I'm, a 4 p.m. kickoff would have been hilarious, wouldn't it? It would have been, but on a Friday, I'm not sure yeah. how much traction that would have received. <laughs> anyway, so Mariners, Adam, they're just not looking that good, are they? No, and this is a massive test for them. I think a, a test of character more than anything else because it's certainly, uh, as a club, it has been questioned. I think that the most fight that anyone the Mariners have put up is is their mascot, Marvin. <laughs> That's actually a very good point. That's a bit harsh, I think. Look, I, it's been a difficult year for them. I think they've really fallen off the last few weeks. We've seen big losses at home to Wellington, away to Western United. Adam's right, this is a real character test for for Central Coast Mariners to show exactly what they've got in, in their locker uh, in terms of character. For the Raw, I think it's a case of not looking too far ahead. You can't look beyond this game to the more challenging, supposedly, fixtures coming up because you've got to focus on this game. Because if you go into it thinking, oh, this is just the Mariners, they're last on the table, we've beaten them twice this year already, you can, fall, you can find yourself falling into a trap. And that would be a bit of a disaster given the great run of form they're on at the moment and where they find themselves not fully secured in the top six and most certainly nowhere near guaranteed a home final. So they've re- they really have to win this game. And I think they've got to really focus on it. And I'm sure they will, by the way. I don't think they're going to go in thinking this is some sort of cakewalk. But if they go in with the right mentality, the Raw should be really comfortable here. Okay, on that, this is a huge test of Robbie Fowler as a manager. I know like I know it might sound crazy thinking that, but like you know, does he want to take the Sir Alex Ferguson route and go, guys, it's Tottenham. Or does he want to say, hey, you can finish the weekend in fourth place? If they're 3-0 down at half-time, he should say that. Yeah. Hmm. Probably not it's Tottenham, but, you know, it's Central (laughs) Coast. However, my other point on that as well is, I feel like if they don't record, you know, a convincing win, it pretty much undoes all of the goodwill and whatnot that they built up last weekend against uh, Western Sydney. Absolutely. If they want a... um I guess a reminder of what can happen if they do take the Mariners, even so, even if they're sort of our form at the moment. Round one last year is where they they came to that game, swanning in, thinking, "Oh, you know, they can basically, you know, they can do what they want," and they end up drawing that game one all. Um, and I think that you know they 
Scott's right. I think they've got to... They can't take this game lightly. They can't think, oh, we've got Sydney a couple of weeks. We've got Melbourne victory beyond that. You know, they've got they've got to focus on Friday night. And, I, and look, you're right. I, I am pretty confident that they're going to get the, get the points. But you just never know in this game yeah. sometimes. Robbie Fowler doesn't strike me as the sort of manager who's going to look too far ahead. I think he's got his goals set about what he wants to achieve, both with Brisbane Raw and beyond that in his coaching career. I don't think they're going to be overlooking this game at all. And I think they're going to go out there and put on a performance. I can't see anything but Raw putting on a performance on Friday night. Absolutely. I think it's going to be the exact same 11 that we saw against the Wanderers. And I think they're going to come up with that exact same mentality. And look, this is just for lack of a better phrase, it's a test of the professionalism that this squad has, look, to their credit, shown in great depths for the most part over the last little while. The one thing that I'm actually a little bit, like, uncertain about is, you know, aside from the mentality, is, is Robbie Fowler too much in his own head sometimes? Before I answer, I will say, when Scott McDonald spoke yesterday at the um, press op they did, he also did stress that they are very much focused on this game, so I certainly expect that to be the case. To your point about is Fowler in his own head, perhaps he might be. I just worry that this might be one of those games where he might overthink it a little bit. And look, just You'd hope not. Play it smart, put the same team out, and you know maybe not the exact same game plan, but if you get up 1-2-0 or two nil early on against the Mariners, there is every chance that you could wind up putting mm. uh, well, an England rugby union score up there anyway and wind up with 7 or 8. Yeah, look, and to be honest, um, that, that would be very important as well. I think that the Raw have shown that they can, you know, eke out the, the tight results. They can show that, you know, if they're going to go down, they, they go down, you know, respectfully. This might be a game, an opportunity where, you know what, that a few of these strikers that, you know, goal, they can go fill their boots, you know, to impression and, you know, score a couple of goals. I think, you know, this, this is the opportunity as well, especially if Central Coast <coughs> Mariners sort of, you know, their, their mentality as a squad at the moment is that they're completely shot and it's about next season. Um, I think, yeah, Raw have an opportunity to really run up a score on them. Because- the first goal is the most important goal, though. Get the first goal and then you might start to see that re- that um, resistance of the Wanderers begin to fall away because I think they'll come to play. I yes. think they will come with the right mentality. It's just if they go yeah. a goal down... Will they crumble? I think that's the question that we're waiting to find the answer to. Well, that is the other point as well I wanted to actually just get to there is, you know, the, the talk is starting to come about, you know, how much pressure should there be on, on Alan Stadridge? I know Boz's Twitter told him to say that on match day Saturday, I'm pretty sure. and Well, his Twitter mentions anyway. I'm pretty sure, like, at some point, this is where this side is going. And look, they have some pretty decent players there as well. Yeah. Some of them, you know... I can accept maybe not at A-League standard, but they do have... like They've got players that should be able to cause plenty of trouble. They've got Daniel De Silva, Sam Silvera, and look, we've seen the Raw struggle with them in the past, starting with that FFA Cup game that we were at. Absolutely. Early. Sam Silvera, that was his coming out party. That's where he showed, wow, he's got, he's not just the young player that they've plucked from obscurity. Now, he is a really good young player. And you think about it, the Mariners have always had good young players, and you think about he, Daniel De Silva, you mentioned, Lewis Miller... Josh Nisbet from Sunshine Coast as well. That's four really good young players. The problem is now from when the one when they were really good the Mariners, they had a really high quality level of experienced players. They don't have that now. There's no Patrick Svonsvegs in that side. It's Matt Simon and Matt yeah. Simon. I know that John, John Hutchinson wasn't exactly the greatest of players, but he was a good pro in that side and helped really bring on their young midfield players. And Danny McBreen up front as well was really important. They don't have players like that now. I think that's where they're really struggling. They haven't got their senior professional player recruitment right. If they can get that right, the young players are there for them. And I think they've got they've got guys, their senior players 
are guys like Tommy Orr, who I think is still, you know, phenomenally talented and, you know, I know he's, what, 27, 28 now, give or take? It seems, you'd think he's over 30, wouldn't you, given how long he's been on the scene, but yeah, it's probably about that, given how young he started. Either way, like, he's seen as one of those true leaders, and while I think, I feel like if he's, he's more of a lead, lead by example type of player, but look, that, that's my big concern as well, is whether or not you're going to see the raw, like, get essentially caught on the back foot if the Mariners say, all right, well, it's finally time to uh, respond because look at their recent results. Uh, 4-3 loss to the Jets in the derby, 2-0 to Adelaide United, 3-0 to Sydney FC, 6-2 to the uh, Western United. Two of those goals against Sydney were late, weren't they, as well? Because that was just after the Champions League yeah, when Ants gave them a beatdown. It was a late finish, but either way, and then on the weekend, 3-1 to the Central Coast Mariners, uh, to the Wellington Phoenix, and yeah, I, I think there was a pretty clear golfing class between those sides for pretty much the entire match. All right, look, and I actually think the one thing that might actually hurt the Raw as well is the fact that we might be getting something resembling a cool change here so it won't be that hot, muggy, unpleasant uh, Friday night. Yeah, I don't think that... The Mariners might be the source of who that doesn't affect, though. Because they've got so many younger legs, they can run out games a lot better. I think that they wouldn't necessarily be as affected by, that, say, a Melbourne City or a Western Sydney Wanderers. So I don't know if it's necessarily that big of a factor, but if the Raw don't win this game, it's going to be, big, be a big problem because... They should be winning this game. Definitely. Okay. I, know a lot, sorry, I know a lot of people have been saying, oh, if they win all their home games, they'll be able to get a home final. I don't think it's quite that simple, but they need the win on Friday night. I just want to know when the um, the Rumble in the Jungle is going to be between Rory and the and Marvin. Oh, can we get that as half-time entertainment? <laughs> I, I will say, that is one thing that both of the clubs are, have done oh, quite well. Yeah, so congratulations both me teams. They've really been hamming it up, and I think it's been great viewing. Definitely. Oh, I saw the Raw poster today that uh, they had Rory watching the uh, 2011 Grand Final, which was phenomenal. Anyway, um, so yeah, just a quick like glimpse as well. There were two points clear of sixth place Western United, and they could potentially overtake Perth Glory, who are playing Sydney FC this weekend, although the Glory would still have a game in hand. But a if it goes the other way, they could drop out of the top six, though, couldn't they? Uh, yes, but do you really want to trust Adelaide at the moment? No, 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 but I'm just saying it's that close in that area. Yeah, yeah, it's it not is. get no guarantee. Definitely. Well, well it, it just shows that like, this is where you also want to see them finishing. Yeah, I was trying to think which, which year specifically it was. I think it was 17-18 where they did finish with like 20 out of their final 30 points to just sneak into sixth spot. But this is where you want to see them have that good run continue on uh, the run home now for well, the Raw. Speaking of good runs and 20 points, I think the Raw actually have got the most points since um, January 1st. Yeah. I think it was the Raw Sports Federation put that out last night, so they're on a great run at the moment. They're taking, they should be able to continue it this weekend. It's just, it should be 23. It's I just think. after that, the games to come are a bit more difficult. Definitely. All right. We should probably wrap up. So, Adam, what are we going to be talking about next week? Uh, raw big win, but Mariners put up a bit of a fight. Scott? Uh, I'll, I'll go with a, I'll go Mertz Muradovic to score again. I'm going to go Jack Hingett breaks his duck for the season. Okay. Why not? Yeah. Why not? That'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Three goals in 200 and something games. Well, it'll be nice to see him do that. And he is getting more opportunities bombing forward from that uh, wing-back role. That's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Good to see you again, James. Thank you, yeah. Adam. Thanks, boys. And th- thank you, everyone, for listening. Bit pleasure, as always, bringing this to you. We'll be back next Wednesday to talk about what we hope will be a big win over the Mariners. Get out to all the local football this weekend if you can. There's plenty to take in. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. <laughs>